The San Francisco Dance Film Festival presents Dancing Through the Lens, a bi-monthly podcast featuring guests from our dance and filmmaking communities, both near and far. Dancing Through the Lens offers a platform for artists in the dance world to share their interests and insights and discuss how they use film to create work and connect with audiences. I'm Claire Schweitzer. And I'm Coral Martin. This week, I had the opportunity to speak with Roberto Vega-Ortiz and Teresa Knudsen, co-founders of Ballet 22. The company, founded in 2020, exists to push the boundaries of what is possible in ballet by focusing on producing and presenting works ranging from classical to contemporary ballet that break gender-normative traditions and are guided by values of inclusivity of body type, gender identity, and race. Roberto and Teresa touched on many topics, including how the factors presented by the pandemic allowed the company to emerge, adapting dance for the camera, and their vision for the future of their still nascent company. Teresa, Roberto, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Now, Ballet 22 is such a unique project in so many ways, but I think it's particularly unique in the fact that the company really as an entity became visible during the pandemic when everything else dance-related seemed to be shutting down. What is it about this particular time that really spurred you into action? During the pandemic, you know, we all shifted over to Zoom and people were taking classes online. And um, I think one of the really awesome things about the situation was how everyone was like free at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday and around the world and could all get together and take class together. So um, Roberto and his colleague Carlos Opui started classes for um, men and male identifying um, dancers to take class on point and essentially to just provide a training platform. Um, and this platform was global and you know everyone was laid off or at home. And so it was really, um, it worked really well because of the pandemic actually to gather all these people that otherwise were bound by jobs and time zones. And um, it was really awesome. And I was yeah. like, hey, let's, let's take this a step further. And we talked about that and that's really how the company changed from being, um, a platform for training um, into something more. Um, and that also, I guess, to back up from the training platform, uh, they made a, a compilation video. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we were like, we this is really amazing. Like, we can do more. Like, we should take this beyond the internet, beyond just like viral Instagram videos of, right. of guys being amazing on point. We're like, we want to actually do this. And we think that other people not only want to participate, but people want to see it. So that's really how it all started was with uh, Roberto and Carlos um, providing a training platform on Zoom during the pandemic. That's awesome. And I'm curious, how did you two first get connected? And um, were there any discussions about this idea prior to the pandemic? Not really. I don't think... When I first moved to the Bay almost two years ago, we met immediately um, through gigs and, and other jobs. And... We hit it off, of course. So we've been best friends since I, I've been here. And of course, I, I had been dancing on point, like mm-hmm. training and, and doing stuff, but not not really anything that might have sparked mm-hmm. that before. I think it was just like 
seeing how big the community was, seeing how well it was doing, the pandemic, and of course it had always been a thought or like, I guess, you know, from my side, we can do this or we should do this at some point. And the three of us like, how about now? <laughs> and I was like, you're crazy, but yes, let's do it. Um, so I, I don't think prior to that, um, mm -hmm. We had really thought about it. Yeah. So. I just want to say, Roberto, your point technique is also impeccable. Just seeing um, the work that you've been doing on Instagram, as well as a few film projects we've seen here and there. I'm curious, how did you incorporate point work into your training as a dancer? And have you had any other venues to showcase this work that you've been doing? Yeah, um, it was definitely a challenge to incorporate that into my training because I wasn't allowed to do it um, when I was younger, a teenager. So I pretty much just did it uh, kind of pandemic style in my room ever since I was 15. And it's insane how I've been doing it all these years and then here we are, everyone is dancing in their kitchens, um, which is, <laughs> it's like, I would have never seen that uh, coming. So. Yeah, uh, every time I had a free studio, I would, you know, try to put my pointies on and and complement what I had learned in class that day. And it was not that challenging, I believe. I don't know. I, I feel like I just had a... I was very driven to train and do this. And um, I just made it happen. And I guess I didn't really think about how hard it was. That's how it started. And, and I managed to... I guess it had been like a good four years of training and and I finally had a little like performance in a in a small club might you say um or something yeah like a bar it was this event um different artists getting together um from different backgrounds of dance and and I did three different solos on point and I guess that was my debut that's awesome that's awesome so you truly were um a pre pre-pandemic, pandemic-type dancer, in a way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right on. Um, we sort of touched on the challenges um, or the unique situation of the company debuting during a very um, tricky time for the arts. And granted, there's a lot of shifts for you as artists transitioning to this screen space, but also um, shifts from an administrative side as well. And um, Teresa, I'd actually like to ask you about your role because you are a longtime performer and really one of the co-founders of this company. And what's the transition been like for you going from performer to director? And like, what do you feel your role is within this entity? Yeah, so I would say uh, for the first question on my role, um, we're just... We're really like co-founders for sure, like you mentioned. Um, so every decision that's made, we pretty much make it together. Um, as as for like a transition, I have a pretty unique dance background. So I I danced professionally, and then I uh, got it got injured and had a surgery. So during that time, I had um, previously had graduated with my business degree. So I went into marketing and, you know, I had my boot and I had my surgery. I was at my computer. So I <laughs> have like, I guess, corporate, ex corporate marketing experience and um, project management experience. And then from there, um, I went back into the freelance professional dance worlds. And so I feel like um, 
I, it hasn't been a transition for me. My journey has always been like dance business, dance business. It's a little like <laughs> a weave going through my life and, and they coexist really well together. Um, so it, it doesn't feel like a transition. It just feels like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Given that the first interaction that many audiences have with Ballet 22 is through a screen, how does that shift the way that you develop and perform work? Yeah, the film work, our premi- the premieres that we've commissioned, I think have really translated the best on film. Um, and of course, our filmmaking team, Concept 04, which is Natasha Orderly, she and her team, uh, Max and Rob, like they're brilliant and they're able to bring this dance to life. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the choreographers that we worked with for our commissions are really brilliant too. We have Omar Roman de Jesus and Ben Needham Wood, and both of them directing the Concept 04 team knew, like, okay, I want it from this side and that side. And I just feel like we, we really uh, gathered the right people to put this together, and it totally worked well. I mean, it worked maybe even better on on film than it would be in person. But at the same time, which has been really neat is a lot of feedback we've been getting is, oh my God, that was my favorite film. It was incredible. I would love to see this live. And I think that's really great because there's, it's like more than one way to see art. And I think it's exciting that people are interested in consuming more dance films and that they're also still inspired to see it live. So I think that the two platforms go are actually helping each other. And I really hope that like post-pandemic that the dance film scene stays as strong as it is right now because I think it's a great way to reach more people, uh, to like quickly inspire people. And also just, yeah, it just promotes dance in a way that I think will only benefit the live Mm -hmm. performing scene once things are back to normal. Yeah, I think one thing, um, I remember I wrote this down at some point, I forgot what it was for, but (laughs) it was uh, for Ben's piece, uh, I was talking about how the camera work has kind of created the audience as a third, as like the third unseen dancer. So Mm -hmm. that's something that I think is really exciting um, for non-dancers because they're like, oh, I'm on stage with these dancers and I'm moving around. But also as, as, um, as a dancer, it's exciting to be that third unseen dancer in film um and just be there because it you know it makes you feel like I'm in this piece and like (laughs) I know this choreography and like here we go and it really takes you on a ride um and there's lots of um sections in Omar Omante Jesus's piece as well where the camera is switching sides so it's like you would never be able to uh, experience that Mm -hmm. if you were sitting just in the chairs like he had a shot that was straight into the trees he had um, one from the wings. I know that, the, the, of course, the gimbal is like, it's this life-changing perspective. It's like, well, yeah. we're just obsessed with the gimbal. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Same boat. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, how would we translate? You were saying, like, we're really excited for the future to be able to translate these pieces on stage. Um, but it won't ever be the same. Like, the film is really, like... It's very special. But it's kind of, yes, yeah, I agree. But it's kind of like that, for example, in Omar Roman de Jesus's piece... People were saying like because it has it had some people um, making sounds and just like there there mm-hmm. was like um, kind of noises on stage that of course were put into the film but they were like I wonder how that would make me feel or how would I react to that in in life and I just cannot wait because I mean it's like goosebumps you know I I it 
you get into another zone when you hear it actually hear it not just from mm-hmm. a video so I, right yeah. so it's like definitely we'll miss on some things that were just amazing in different perspectives um mm-hmm. but then kind of like just being there mm-hmm. um actually being there yeah our next project is a live performance it's in june uh, 18th through 20th in san francisco um but we're also doing a film Ah, which we haven't announced um but we uh we really love this platform and this genre of presenting dance um and and we have because of the global platform that has been created through first the training and also like roberto is uh you know kind of an influencer in the (laughs) point space and instagram on instagram and youtube so it's like we do have this global platform and a national platform that's like beyond the bay area so we're like we don't want to stop being connected with those people so as we start performing live locally it's like we are really committed to continuing to make these dance films because we really want to continue to reach people in the country and like all really all around the world um and some of the feedback that we've gotten emails uh are just really moving and touching and um you know men and non-binary dancers are not represented at all in the dance world uh we do have the tracks which are amazing we love them they're so funny they bring joy to the world um but you know some of our pieces are sad and and um are heartbreaking and romantic and uh, so it's like we're touching on a different side and it's not in drag it's just you know uh, people however they identify um being authentic on point and and that's not something that as much as like our society has moved forward we really we don't see a lot of opportunities for men to train on point we don't see a lot of opportunities to perform on point and like our company is dedicated or Valley 22 is dedicated to that and we want to keep pushing that representation out into the world and film is one of the best ways to do that so we're super committed to like continuing to capture our work and in a beautiful way that can keep moving people inspiring them to to try point or just to try whatever makes them feel their most authentic self and not feel like they have to adhere to what society has told them to do. So, yeah, thank you, film. There's this feeling of watching the work that you've done. And one thing for me reacting to to the films and seeing this beautiful point work is like there's so much untapped potential here in the in the ballet world and if this is if this is tapped if this is fostered then ballet can really can really move forward exponentially i'm very curious um how much of your work do you see as advocacy as far as representing um bodies and representing people who may not be seen in ballet traditionally and how much do you see it as art for art's sake like do you feel that you can separate the two are they intertwined i would say somehow they are hand to hand or mm-hmm. hand by hand, um, I think you can present men on point or male identifiable non-binary artists on point on stage and not necessarily be political. Even based on even last night and and different, um, there was a person making different comments on Instagram and and this is this is ongoing and they're not nice comments about men on point or about 
how is it a sin or about how you should ask God for forgiveness or like all these comments happen all the time. So that's just the normal, I guess, or the reaction that men on point, um, you know, or male identifying point on binary people on point will, you know, this is what it will bring, um, I guess. And without wanting it to be political, I guess somehow yeah, it, it, would it, be, it will it's be. it's controversial still. Correct. Yeah, I, I would say that when we're planning a program, and we've now done three, that we're about to do our third full evening. When we plan the program, the intention is always art first. Yes. Like, it's like, what kind of work, like, what's the thing, like, you've always wanted to dance that you can't do? Okay, well, what works well with the dancers that we are, yeah. um, that we are having join us for this project? Or... Like, you know, we have a romantic ballet. Let's not do two. Let's have one. You know, and it's, I would say, like, how any other artistic director approaches their work. It's like, what would make a really full program that's going to touch people? Like, something's fast, something's slow. Um, this is a moving piece. This is a fun piece. Like, we want to take the audience, whether it's digital or in person, on a journey. And, like, that's what what we're thinking about when we're creating Correct. a program. It's not like... How can we shock the people? You know, right? But like, correct. Of correct. course, um, with the premieres, we've always told, we've always been very hands off with our the choreographers that we've uh, commissioned, and it's like this is your opportunity. As you mentioned earlier, Claire, it's like the untapped potential. It's like, all right, here's your moment. Like whatever you want, like this maybe is, you can't do this with females, or or maybe like you've always had a vision, company. yeah, with another company. Like there, you know, you don't have access to dancers. Um, who are this good on point? I mean, that's the other thing too. It's like the men that we work with are are professional level on point, and so it's um, yeah, it's really exciting. It's like okay, go run with that. Like, let's see how we can push the art form forward. And at times that can be political, but mm-hmm. I would think that um, for all the commissions we've done, they haven't been political. They've been more emotional. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I hope that that answers the question but i think the artist first yeah and i think as a as a young new company we fortunately in a way have you know we can be bold we can be you take risks and we're new you know and this is what we do and we're getting to so we Mm -hmm. i guess we don't have as much to lose as perhaps another company who has to be a little bit more political or correct mm-hmm. um, so they don't lose um, you know their, yeah their their base of their support base of support so I think that's why for us it's not political at all and it's more like about actually just creating art and doing it however we actually want it mm-hmm. and not be um, kind of apologetical about it right. in a way right you know we this is what we want and we're going to do it. Here we go. Embrace yourself. Where wants to join us and watch. Yeah. I hope you do and, and yeah. that it resonates and people like it. And they have. It really ha- has been amazing. All the support and all the great, you know, great feedback that we've received so far. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's working. So I usually conclude the interview asking like what you what plans you have next. Uh, but you already mentioned that you have a performance coming up in June. So instead, I would actually like to take this opportunity to ask if you could put a project like out in the universe and have it manifest, what project would that be? I mean, I think something we really want to do is um, 
build up our education program. Um, mm-hmm. We really would like to have a program that's dedicated to men, male identifying and non-binary dancers. Um, and that's something that you know has been pushed to the side as we like are producing this June show. Um, but yeah, I think like even in a summer intensive where people come from all over the world and like fly in to train and we can like bring in some guest artists. Um, I, I just think that would be such an amazing event and I would love to see that um, happen. Um, maybe, do you have yeah. like a, a project no, for the performing side, like yeah. a dream project? I mean, no, I, I guess like going, uh, circling to like, just continuing on that note would be that, you know, we do have a full-time company that we can employ missing artists and hopefully um, through the school, we are able to you know, years and years to come, of course, it's going to take a long time, but that our company can be fed from, from the talent school, yeah. from the school. And, you know, that we've prepared these dancers to join this professional company. And I think that would just be like a dream come true, something that I wish I, I had. And, and definitely there's so many younger talent out there who are as hungry as I was when I was younger. And this is just the beginning. So I think it would just be like creating a safe space to train, creating a safe space to dance professionally. And um, of course, do amazing, amazing yeah, work and push, continue yeah. to push. And and I, yeah, I mean, there, there's so many ballets or things that I would be like, oh, I wish we could do that. Um, but more than just that, I think it's just continue the, continuing the, the mission and the legacy of what we're creating here. Well, I, I can't wait to see that, and I'm sure that there are many people who can't wait to see that, too. Uh, Roberto, Teresa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Ballet 22 presents their new program, Totem, live at the Great Star Theater in San Francisco between June 18th and 20th. The program will include excerpts from beloved classical ballets and will also feature contemporary ballets by Nicholas Rose and Miles Thatcher. Also, the Catherine Clark Gallery and Box Blur, in association with the San Francisco Dance Film Festival, present Dances for Doing, a new commissioned work by New York-based choreographer Catherine Galasso, between June 26th and 27th. The program will also feature a collection of short dance films exploring gender identity. More information can be found in the show notes. Dancing Through the Lens is a production of the San Francisco Dance Film Festival. It is produced and hosted by Coral Martin and Claire Schweitzer. Theme music for Dancing Through the Lens was composed by Daria Novo. You can find the San Francisco Dance Film Festival online at sfdancefilmfest.org and in the social media pages linked in the show notes.